Hello everyone, my name is Ovo, and you're listening to another episode of the Off The Rose Podcast. And SARS now, that's it, that's all the intro that we do need. But before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to all the people on the front lines, all the people who are putting their lives on the line to fight for this, and there are some people who I think have especially been very, very effective in this. Aisha Yusufu, Kiki Moidi, FK Abudu, Jaws, Debo, there's a lot of people really working, and uh, we appreciate all of y'all. Alright, let's get it. Alright, so what's good people? Um we took a little bit of a hiatus. We haven't recorded for a while and it's for many, many, many reasons. Um so we hope you guys understand with us. And uh today we had to just take some time to record. Even though we're recording, I guess under different circumstances. Some of us yeah, yeah, for specific <laughs> reasons. Um we still had to say something about what's going on in Nigeria. I don't think it's going to be too much of a long podcast because I want to, I think we can just go straight to the point anyway. So yeah. um, we just want to lend our voices and talk about the you know, issues of police brutality in Nigeria and uh, the NSARS movement. And um, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. I'm going to let you guys go and see what's on your minds. And uh, okay. I will pitch in where where I can. Okay. Okay. I think um, the best thing uh, for us to do first is um, kind of just lay some context, right? Yeah. So, um, if you're on Twitter, if you have, if you follow Nigerians, even if you're not Nigerian and you follow Nigerians on Twitter and Instagram, you would have probably seen those posts. Uh, sometimes you read, maybe you don't read. So, if you're a listener, here we go. So, what is going on in Nigeria? Um, much like what's kind of going on here with Black people specifically, is that. Um, the Nigerian policing system is extremely broken, right? Mm -hmm. So we have, essentially, the whole police system is broken, okay? Let's not, first of all, we need to lay that down because this movement is not just SARS. It's kind of like, you know, you need to get something with some BIM to to take you forward, but that's not really what we're, we're not just trying to end it. But that's um, a later part of the podcast. Let me just tell you what SARS is. SARS stands for Special Anti, or is it Special... Oh, special anti-robbery squad, right? So, um, the Nigerian police force in, uh, I think, 92, mm-hmm. created SARS to, because apparently there was an epidemic or or pandemic. I don't know what the difference yeah, is between those two words. It was triggered because a colonel in the army was killed. So, the SARS was actually from, the, the triggering thing was a colonel in the army was killed, right? Okay. And, um, the Amrobas were like so strong in that particular region. All the police dipped. Okay, so the okay, which is another problem with police. So, so I was, I'll say, I'm about to give you secondhand, secondhand information. So my dad just gave me a very long and detailed history of SARS and about the organization of police in Nigeria. And then I'm going to give you an, a very summarized and undetailed version of that. So SARS was then formed because. Um, Amrobu became very rampant. What's the problem? Jeff was picking up on some some chatter because she was moving the mic. So SARS was formed because, um, like you said, that that was a triggering thing, and then Amrobu became very rampant in that area, and so, um. They, they picked 15 people to start SARS. And what would happen was SARS was controlled directly by the Inspector General of Police. And he would send SARS officers from Abuja to problem areas. 
you know they operated kind of in secret and they they were very effective like you just pick like 15 commandos to go glass bows okay. and they were very effective <laughs> but this was but the problem is that most police officers report to a dpo right it goes from ig of police down to um the state level or interstate level right there's somebody i've forgotten what it's called the area chief or something then from that guy to a regional guy from the regional guy to the smaller area guy from smaller area guy to the, 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 DPO. the dpo dpo is in charge of like a station right department yeah they started the department so most police officers are accountable to somebody right that they see every day but SARS are accountable directly to the inspector general of police so they can't mm -hmm. be controlled like your typical police so after SARS was created when this guy left he never disbanded SARS. and the problem now became that SARS was no longer a centrally con like they didn't just operate from abuja and go out places they started having headquarters all over um Nigeria and nobody was able to control them. Nobody was able to stop them. And then it became so bad that those areas were like known as slaughterhouses, like among people. Like there was like a nickname for a SARS headquarters because you know if you go in, you may not make it alive. Yeah, you so know, as they grew in impunity, mm -hmm. um, and in they became they they started becoming basically kidnappers. They would harass people. They would take them in for quote unquote questioning. And they won't release them until they get money. So the reason they've tried to ban SARS many times in the past is because SARS generates a lot of money for police, which then brings you to the structure of Nigerian police. And in a funny way, the Nigerian police officer is a victim. Oh yeah, so, we'll get there. So and yeah. most most people know, like even when I was young in Nigeria, I knew that when mm -hmm. police steals money, the DPO has given him a, a quota to steal money. He gives the DPO, DPO passes the money up. Right, like I knew that. So what my dad was telling me is that the budget that each police department gets, the police department has a big budget on paper, mm -hmm. but by the time the IG and everybody steals money along the chain, it doesn't even reach the DPO. Mm -hmm. The money that reaches the DPO mm -hmm. is barely enough to run a police station for one week. Mm -hmm. So what police? The way DPOs operate is that. They have to steal, harass people, bribe, whatever. Mm -hmm. They have to get money from people to run their police stations, right? Like, it's up to each DPO to generate those funds. So, like, police officers, if they want uniform, they have to buy it for themselves. If you relocate a police officer from one state to another, the police officer doesn't get any as oh like they even, they even pay for their bullets right police <laughs> regular man, police if, yeah. if they shoot somebody they have to pay for their own bullets right so yeah. it's it's the the police don't get any funding at all so they are forced to harass people for money the problem is that these victims have guns so that's the worst kind of victim wait who has guns the police so the victim of the systems yeah they have guns so they started preying on young people because I guess young people are so easy targets. It's the young people are the easiest targets, and and then the rise of Yahoo Yahoo. Yeah, rise of Yahoo Yahoo one, but also like just the way our society is, mm -hmm. the whole respectability politics of age and all those things, right? Mm -hmm. Why are you a young man who can afford an iPhone? And yeah. Why haven't you paid your dues? Why are you making money on your computer? How dare you? And those are the sentiments that not just the police, but even like 
uh, the older generations kind of hold in a way. And so, why are young people spearheading this um, particular movement now? Because they've been targeted. So, I'll paint a scenario for those of you who don't know. Now, um, picture this. You are a young guy, maybe like 24, 25, maybe even younger, 21, 18, whatever. And you, you are hustling, you are trying to make your way. Let's say you have dreadlocks. In fact, maybe not even go that far. You know, let me just paint the more generic picture. You have dreadlocks yeah. and you have a gold chain on and you are walking in a, or you're in a bus or you're in your car you're with um, a, a laptop and an iPhone. Mm. Now, imagine, first of all, in America, they don't have like police barricades. That's not a thing. Yeah. So on, in Nigeria, that's such a norm that we don't even really question like why are they just stationed here with a barricade right. blocking the road and trying to talk to us every single time we're passing here. Police only normally would stop you when you're speeding or your license is expired or something, you know? Yeah. They have to have a reason. But here, they're just stopping everybody. And then they look at you, they're like, who are you? Who's your father? How dare you? Why do you have this? Why do you have that? And their own sentiment, and I saw a video, the guy was like, do you know that I've worked, I've been, this one guy, this one cop, he was like, I've been working for eight years and I can't afford a 350,000 phone that you're carrying. My phone is 20,000 Get, then he started yelling, get out of the car, lie on the floor because he was so annoyed that, that this guy could um, get this phone. Yeah. And he, so that's the sentiment. That's the driving factor. So that's why um, we young people now in Nigeria are spearheading this movement. And that's why, you know, something gets too many people's hearts. Because the average person in Lagos has gone through this. Um, just to think about what, what Ayo has said, like, I, I really don't think they have a great perception to who they actually pick up. Because once, as far as I'm concerned, if you're a young guy, they just. Because personally, I've had two experiences with SARS, and I've been I've been fortunate. I wasn't alone. I was one of my boys. And funny enough, it didn't even happen in Lagos. Because I'm guessing if it happened in Lagos, I don't think I'm at the least tell the story based on my based on how I handled the scenario. So this was even back in the Bajan days. I was like, first of all, if you know me, I don't have dreads. I don't wear flashy watches. I don't have anything fancy. I was just in shorts, slippers. The unfortunate thing was I was in my laptop. My friend was taking me somewhere to go print our project and it's about now. Anyway, you can get was somewhere cheap if you just take advantage of that. So we're just walking on the road and the bus just like farm, they just parked after us in the bus. Like how I was in the bus, I didn't even know. All I knew that I was in the bus. <laughs> As usual, what's your name? Slap, one or twos. Then unfortunately my boy and I were using iPhone 5 guy. Let's see your phone. Right? iPhone. Aha. Let me use a ghost watch. Aha. What's your password? I opened the phone, started going through my emails and whatnot. Unfortunately, again, what's in your bag? Laptop. <laughs> oh so already, my saving grace was by the time my boy was already used to that whole setting. So I don't know why they always think of him as a Yahoo boy, but let's not get into that. So my boy in the bus was already trying to talk to them like, yo, we're just going to see one of our friends that is expecting us. Please, let's call our friends to let him know where we were. They didn't agree, they didn't agree. Then there was, surprisingly, there was a lady in the front, but the lady was really calm. Then she lets my guy use his phone. Then we called one of our other guys, like, guys, see, this is a scenario. Police has picked, up, picked us up, so in case you don't hear from us, this is where we're going to and all of that. We got to the station. Thankfully, my saving grace that day was by the time they opened my laptop, the first thing they saw was a bunch of mathematical jargons and formulas and shit. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, so this guy's actually a student. So who is your friend? What's the relationship with your friend? I'm like, ah, he's my roommate. We're just trying to bring documents and shit. It was a whole back and forth. Then the problem with this thing is at the end of the day, it boils down to money. 
Next thing was like, ah, so I was like, I don't reach here now. And you know, see, when I got sort of, was one or two, one or two. So, like, the whole SARS thing, I feel like they're not even catching the wrong set of people, especially now with the whole AirPods, Apple Watch, aha, Yahoo Boy, or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's the whole thing is just fucking crazy. They pick you up, the first thing is they slap you, then they go through your phone. Bro, everybody's fucking phone probably has spam emails from everyone. So, once they just see that, or maybe, especially how WhatsApp is, you can't just have your brother or a friend or relation in America. Once they just see any plus, whatever, in your contacts. He's talking to mm. foreigners. He's doing illegal, whatever. I've seen niggas that were picked up and they had to pay thousands of, of naira just because they had evidence. To... I'm like, this guy does business with people abroad. You have no legit farm. Like, if the fact that parents are able to muster up the cash and come and build their kids, like, I'm happy for those of my friends. But, like, what are the rest of the people that their stories don't make it up to the news? So, like, yeah, I and I were actually talking about this. Like, I respect the movement. I was even surprised that like, the Nigerian youth could actually band together and, like, implement this change. Like, from UK, US. I was about to go to JTC together. I realized, oh, more than the gather for the... I really don't want to be, because I don't know what's going to happen. So, I'm like, JTC, UK, Nigeria. Like, bro, I was actually impressed. So, shout out to everybody that, like, yeah. played their part, to be honest. I'm not even going to lie. No cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um so me personally, I I want to take this from so the first perspective is this we know that obviously SARS isn't doing what they've been set up to do, at least not anymore. That's the first thing. Um the people that they're harassing, there's no that's not legitimate police work. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. and it's it's legit the same thing as uh how black people are profiled. It's the profiling is even ridiculous because the identifiable features are simply just you, I guess, looking young and young. being able to afford certain things. So, like, the profile doesn't make sense. So, it's like Nigeria wants you to be, like, over 50 if you want to survive, which is yeah. stupid. Do you know what I mean? But that, that's one way that that's one way that we look at it. But what I really want to pay attention to is this. I think um, there are a lot of things that... I think don't get mentioned and I think it's because we don't generally understand the way systems of government work. Right. So one thing that one thing that I want to look at is this they've ended SARS four times in Nigeria, if you guys know. Yeah. They ended SARS last they ended SARS this year. They ended SARS last year. They ended SARS the year before. They ended SARS the year before that. They've ended SARS four different times in Nigeria. Somehow SARS is still like on the streets so and that's the thing and why i'm why i'm talking about this is this right we need to understand that like your ministers are are put in place for specific reasons and we don't know where the right channels are so everyone is talking about the president should come and say something and he should but to be honest this is an this is a ministry of internal affairs issue Right. And so I was I was doing a bunch of Googling because I wanted to make sure that I got this right before we actually started. And um, of course, we have a minister of interior affairs. We have a ministry of interior affairs, first of all. And your interior affairs, just so I'm clear, I'm looking at Wikipedia and it says an interior ministry or the ministry of internal affairs is a government ministry responsible for internal affairs, particularly public security, emergency management registration, emergency management, management re- registration, supervision of local governments, 
conduct of elections, public administration, and immigration matters. And such a ministry is often headed by the Minister of the Interior, a Minister of Interior Affairs, or a Minister of Home Affairs. Right? Now, if we... I decided to bring that a little further down and um, bring it back to home. So the Federal Ministry of Interior in Nigeria is tasked specifically with interiors. Let me, let me make sure I'm reading this right. It starts specifically with providing complementary inter, in, internal security and other ancillary services within Nigeria. So basically, they're in charge. In fact, they've merged the internal affairs with police affairs. So your Ministry of Internal Affairs, while it was already charged with internal security, they put all police affairs under the Ministry of Internal Affairs. So anything that your police does should go to the Minister of Internal Affairs. And you know who your Minister of Internal Affairs is? Ogbeni Rauf Adesoji Arebeshola. Oh, jeez. This guy again. <laughs> Rauf. <laughs> so, and that's the thing. Like, every year we talk about, or rather, every time president is put into power, we talk about him naming his cabinet and da 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 da, da and then the list ministers, and then it's on TV, and then they do all these things, and then we never see these ministers come out and do anything except it's some allegation of fraud or it's something to do with crime or like there's never we're, we're never seeing them responsible for their duties and that's going to the point where we don't even know what their duties are so i know that there's too many people who don't understand what your ministry of internal affairs is supposed to do but this case this specific case with policing in nigeria is specifically a ministry of internal affairs problem it's a ministry of internal affairs issue before we should even be shouting that the president should come out and speak, your minister of internal affairs should have addressed the issue. From the first time it happened till now, if there is a failing in the policing system in Nigeria, the ministry of internal affairs in Nigeria is failing. That's what it means. And if you have a minister, a face that is responsible for that, to not hold him accountable is, is wild to me. And the reason why we don't hold him accountable is because we don't even know who he is, one. And even if we knew who he was, we don't know what his job is. This is his job. This is specifically his job. So we need to call for Bari to come out and speak, but like, <laughs> really. But then Arik Bishola is, what, what's he doing? What's, why, why is he not, why is he not acting? He doesn't have to act, and that's the problem. I don't want anybody that is responsible in this matter needs to be held accountable on some level and i will be sitting down here and this man will go scot-free like every other time where we will talk about everything and nobody will mention him because nobody realizes that he should be mentioned i'm mentioning you oga yeah. speak up yeah we need to call them all out <laughs> thanks for that little um what do you call it now so yeah civics lesson or, or something yeah. of, so um <laughs> before we continue i think um just a couple things I wanted to do. I think, first of all, we need to, I don't know if we should say everyone's na names that have lost their lives, but at least maybe a moment of silence because a lot of people have. So we've talked about how they profile, how they rob, but we really haven't actually said the worst part. They actually killing Nigerians. Yeah. They are killing uh -huh. people. And this is in cold blood. There's videos. There's, it's the most ridiculous thing because they know that nothing's going to happen. They are killing, they are raping, they are doing whatever they want. So, um, I don't know how long do you think is appropriate. Uh, yeah, let's, let's do like a... Yeah, do that at the end. We can do that at the end. Okay, we can do that at the end. Yeah, five seconds. No, that's a 20 seconds. Because if it's at the end, it's over. It just, it's no longer a moment of... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
No, we'll, we'll do it at the end and give a I guess give a vote of thanks or the writers that we do at the end of our episodes after afterwards. So it's still okay. inclusive, right. but it's yeah, after all's been said and done, I guess. Yeah. So um, next up is um, I guess we need to like discuss. So, like you said, Ovo, uh, that they've disbanded, they've banned, they've cancelled it, what, four or five times now, right? And so, we need to, like, talk about what they've done and why it's not, like, enough what they announced. You know, they made an announcement this morning again, right? So, essentially, what they do, what they tend to do is that they'll say, oh, okay, SARS is over. But um, there's, number one, there's no punishment for the men that have taken lives and extorted people. Number two, they're just going to relocate. Some people, they might not even relocate them. They're just going to give them different uniforms. They're not the giving them anything, any new uniform. Let me be honest with you. The they same, didn't wear uniforms. Uh, why, why are we talking about NSARS? Exactly, they never wore uniforms. They're not yeah. changing anything. It is, yeah. it's audio noise, right? They'll come out and say yeah. they've been disbanded. But if you're driving right. on the route tomorrow and SARS stops you, will you say, oh, God, your office does not uh, exist anymore? They exactly. will shoot you in your mouth. Exactly. So, nothing's happening. Somebody caught some video of somebody in Lagos. You could see them still operating like on Lagos Street and talking about, oh, we've actually disbanded them. It's, I don't think it's going to fly. I mean, they just say that just to get people to get involved, just to calm the whole situation. But we need more actionable steps, to be honest. That's just not enough these days. Yeah, exactly. See, the thing is the same. We need to. We, we as a country have never been able to hold political leaders accountable for anything, right? So, for example, in America, when people say that there is integrity in pockets of spaces, right? So when when the political leader comes out and says, oh, yeah, we've decided that this is what we're going to do. If they don't do it, there are other people in places of power that are going to be like, ah, maybe you said this and they will use it to further their own political agenda it might be selfish but it works do you know what i mean so there's some level of accountability some but in nigeria when one when one uh it's the people versus the leadership right so they say oh yeah we've disbanded them and they haven't really done anything they haven't really disbanded anything there is no kind of accountability there's nothing where we as the people are able to say no do you know what i mean like like your rights you don't really have rights in nigeria so you don't really get to say oh, like, this is how we're going to prove that they've done it. This is how we're going to show that they've done it. Because the only reason that anyone's even talking about this is because there is global uh, there's global attention on, on the topic. You know, every yeah. time people start to protest and there's, like, wild outspread uh, attention going on and then there's people protesting all over the world, like, in different parts, in different countries, right? Now Nigerians have to act or Nigerian leaders have to act because there's too much attention going on. So they put out a circular and say, we've disbanded um, the SARS, right? People in the other countries don't know what's going on in your country and they back off. That's all they need, right? But we as Nigerians have to now find a way and say, okay, how do we now start to hold people accountable? Because them saying it is different from them doing it. Mm-hmm. So how do we hold them accountable and make sure that, okay, they've said that these guys are, like, they're done. Where's the proof? Like, where's the... We need to skip good people, first of all. yes. That's number we one. We absolutely need to skip good people. Let something absolutely come out of it. Let us look at people and say, okay, well, this this person was held responsible for the actions and let other people be like, ah. Even like, I mean, and I mean like even these, the, the SARS people in question now have to look at other people and be like, <laughs> what if we continue? I might be the scapegoat next time. Yeah. Do you know what uh, I mean? It's not enough, but it's a start. That's number one. Just number one. So, Do you know what uh, I mean? And then... Okay, continue. Carry on, carry on. Go ahead. Okay, well, I was going to... Well, 
that's why I said continue because you're. I don't know if you finished your point, but what you've just said, that last thing, kind of brought organically about what actually needs to be done. Like, what can we actually demand, right? And number one, like you said, is we need scapegoats. We need people to answer for what has been done. That's the first thing. Like, you can't just say, oh, it's disbanded and, oh, they're just going to work in a different department. That's fucking bullshit. Like, we cannot, we cannot accept that in any way, like, at all. So first, we need that. Then we need to understand, like, um, that's why Shola and I talked about, like, the history and the structure of policing, right? We need to understand why it's like this. Like, uh, you know me, I'm, I'm all about root cause analysis. That's my favorite thing. Like, I always like to say, okay, why is the police the way it is, right? And besides what Shola even said, like, if we actually look at the history of Nigerian policing, um, I know we normally say no free cloud, but I think it's important. If you guys have time on, I haven't finished it, but on Netflix, the story of, um, what's the name? It's, um, it's by Shippo Sha- No, it's um, this, hold on, let me just Google it's it the, really quickly. I, I, don't know what you're about. I don't know It's by Shippo Shatri. It's, um, it's on Netflix. It's, a story it's on Netflix, right? Netflix, right? So it's, yeah. I'm about to get it. One second. Journey of an African I'm, colony. That's the name. Yeah, Journey of an African colony. Something about Nigerian Nigeria. history. Right? Yes. It's it's it, the guy does so much history research. He goes to London to the libraries in London because you know we're colonized by the British. So this guy knows what he's talking about, right? And so there was a particular part. I think this was first of all. I think this was um, right. I don't know the year, but. Essentially, we were under colonial rule, and I think this was during World War One, right? And so the war was going on, and um, the British were using um, our resources to fund their war, right? And they were taking our people. They called them volunteers, but they really weren't volunteers because they just told the figureheads in each um, geographical location, you have a quota of young men you need to bring to this war. And that's how they picked people. So it wasn't a draft. It wasn't volunteers, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. So during those times, there was a lot of unrest because there was no money. People were hungry. And then um, they wanted to start taxing women, right? The market women, women, right? And women weren't getting taxed prior to this. So they started to protest, right? And the, tr- the protest turned bloody, right? So the, the police, I guess you can call them, sh- shot and killed the market women in the protest. And I, that just kind of gives you like a good understanding that i feel like at least maybe i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong but the origin of the nigerian police force was not even to serve the nigerian people it was to serve the interests of our colonizers right and that's and like maybe that's not what's happening now but that is the root and like we always say like we said in america like the root of the american police system was slave patrols right they were these people who volunteered to patrol and catch runaway slaves and what are they doing today? They are killing black people, right? So when we understand that, okay, policing in itself was made for certain purposes, then we understand that these things are much more deeply rooted than we can ever imagine. And so we have to tackle the roots, right? So uh, I don't know if you guys want to talk about that before we move on. Um, I think just to, just to kind of say um speak on like policing right i think policing in all of these places may have come about as um may have come about from terrible means or from 
reasons that weren't ideal. But policing is now a global construct that you kind of need for your society to function. The only thing is this. There are certain places where policing is just problematic. Mm -hmm. Right? In America, in Nigeria, and there's there's a bunch of other countries. In the Philippines, if if you know how the Philippines have worked, but a lot of that, the root cause of why policing has... So policing has transformed itself from this thing that was put in place to subjugate certain people to now this thing that is necessary for internal security. And then in certain places, this things that this thing that is used to kind of abuse and subjugate people again. But now at this point in time, what causes the subjugation is abuse of power. Right? And in that abuse, it's, it's well, it's abuse of power and a lot of the time it's, it's also money. But mm-hmm. when we went to primary school and we did social studies, right, we were taught that the reason why there are three arms of government and no one arm of government is supposedly powerful than the other is for checks and balances, yeah. right? That's what my social studies teacher came to class and opened his mouth and said. <laughs> the problem is if there are checks and, and, and that, and that in, in itself is supposed to stop the abuse of power these checks and balances but you now start to look at there are no checks and balances in the world and it was easier to cloak that back then i think with the advent of technology with the with the need for or or or, or of people to be more educated about what's going on in their society in your government for the need of like just the average youth just the conversations that even go on in in high schools and secondary schools these days right it now makes it harder to hide the fact that something is wrong. Yep. Right? Some, some, something, is, something is not right. This system you people told us are supposed to work this way is not working. So now we have to kind of pay attention to that. So the first thing is this. We have to kind of, first of all, check these, these uh, abuse of power and that we see across different countries. And uh, if anyone's ever read this book... Um, from third world to first world country. So uh, the guy who used to be, who was, he was, he was kind of like a dictator in Singapore, but he is, he was, what, what's, what's his name again? Um, I used to know his name, but basically he took over the country and he laid off all the police officers and told anybody that wants to be a police officer should reapply. And they were going to go through intensive training again and they were going to, to be, you know, retrained and brought mm-hmm. back into the system. I don't know if that works everywhere, but it worked for them. Yep. The thing was, the reason why he did that was because there was a problem in the policing system. And his idea was not to, to tape it here and to patch it there, to patch it there. His idea was like, what we have is not working. Scrap it and start all over from the beginning. Mm. And it worked. <laughs> it, it, might be, it might be something to look at. Do you know what I mean? It might be something to start to think about. And if there's any place to look at it, it's Nigeria. Because here's my thing. Here's what I argue when I say, when when I tell people that we need to just chase all the police officers away and tell them to reapply. People are, but that, that creates a lot of... I'm like, the country is insecure. The police officers are not police officers. You don't feel comfortable calling a police officer to a and feeling secure that the police officer is going to the issue. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I'm not... I'm not pressure in nigeria i'm scared for my life and my first 
to call the police. No one, one knows the police. What number? No I don't even know what number to call the police on. Yes, one. They, they, two. They don't. <laughs> two, they're probably going to come down and shoot me. Exactly. So, I argue that there's no security with the police. Do you know yes. what I mean? There's no security with the police. So, what? Yeah. what we have nothing to lose. We, we really, really don't have anything to lose. Right. Just before you continue, just to, to even hit that point further, like SARS is special anti-robbery, whatever, right? They, and I, I'm... Let's concise SARS with Yahoo Boy. They are literally the single Bro. group that perpetrates the most armed robberies in the country. You can, like, you can quote me on that. That is, it's the most ironic, SARS has to be the most ironic organization in the world because SARS as a single group has perpetrated the most single most armed robberies in Nigeria. I can, I'm so sure of it. Facts. It's, it's not even that, Seth. It's like, when you hear why they're doing what they're doing, right? You hear them talk about they are catching Yaobo fraud, da-da-da. I'm like... <laughs> but you're not a fraud group. This is, like, this, this is not your... This is not what you're supposed to be doing. This is not in your job description. Yeah, it's not. If I, if I thought we want to argue that you are trying to do your job, this is not even in your job description, one. Two... The the criteria for being a Yahoo boy is not driving a car on the road with your laptop in the bag, and, and being on that and being on that forty. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, are you are you telling me that like my country has to be completely technologically devoid for us to accept that we are not all criminals? Hmm. Right? It's it's stupid to me because things that we pay attention to, like. I was having this conversation with my father, right? And I, I really, like, there's a disconnect with the older generation and what's really happening with the younger generation. Because my father seems to think that, no, if you carry yourself, or at least at the time, he thought that, like, no, if you present yourself well, that these people will not harass you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's not true. Mm-hmm. And and we had that conversation. And I could kind of see him, I, I guess, I kind of see his views kind of change. I kind of see that, like, I, I guess he didn't realize how things were in, in a certain sense. And that's because... He will never have to experience that. He never has. And he will mm. never have to experience that, right? There's not one person that sees my father in the car that he drives and thinks he doesn't deserve to be driving that car. Yeah. But you know what happens the minute I drive my father's car out? All of a sudden, ah. everyone's looking at me like, who is this guy? Who are you? <laughs> what, what, what's that? Where did you get this money from? Do you know what I mean? And mm. the, the thing is, we have to start to, while we ourselves... On, on this issues, while we talk to people in, in our age group, we also have to start to engage our parents. Yes. Because they are in positions of power, a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. Or they have connections with people in positions of power. We need to start to explain to these people that, look, you don't have an issue because nobody stopped me on the road, though. But you know what? One day you just might. One day I might be the one that is stopped on the road and I don't, and they will even allow me to call you to say I have a problem. By the time be there to come and sort out things and pull your money out and and yeah. and by that time it might be too late bro what so you're if we don't do something now what are we gonna do exactly what you're describing and i have to shout out this guy because i've been seeing what he's been doing i don't know his real name but he's that comedian on uh mr macaroni um yeah, the guy that does that you're doing well stuff right and the guy has been front and center at the protest since they started right and then he that scenario you just painted over, he literally dropped it. That's this guy, he, you know him, his his character is this rich old guy that is always chasing women, right? So he was talking yeah. to his daughter, I was like, How um, you know, you children of nowadays, da, 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 you don't understand this and that. In fact, I'll just send you out of the country once your brother gets home. 
It's like, then Saz drives by and they're like hailing him like, oh, girl, fan. And he's like, oh, Saz, you're doing well, oh, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we just shot one of these um, these criminals, actually. Um, here, and then he's like, oh, you shot one, let me see. And then it was his son. And then that was like the message of the skit. And it was like, I was like, that's very brilliantly done skit. And that's exactly what Ovo was just saying. So shout out to that guy and everyone else on the front lines. I think we might actually shout some more people out, maybe drop some, some maybe some resources for yeah. you. Yeah. To donate one to person him. I'm gonna shout out to is is Tobe in Wigwe. Um, he put up a post about yeah. uh, he put up a post about like NSARS and everything, and then I saw someone in his comment section go, "Some of you are stupid in this America. Let me just let, let you know my mind. <laughs> and if you confront me one on one, I will tell you that you are stupid. And if you talk back, I'll slap you. That's just the truth. The thing is this, right? This young lady had said that's their people and they're killing their people, so we should let them handle it without interfering." Right, and he said, he was like, "Correction, that's my people." Mm. Right. My thing is this: when we spoke on American issues, yeah, on on police brutality, and this was a black woman. That's what irritated my life. Mm-hmm. When we spoke on 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 police brutality issues in America, people came out to riots in America. People came out to riots. In the UK, people came out right in Nigeria, people came out right in Australia. Mm-hmm. Nobody said let them handle their issues. People in other countries didn't say uh, that's an American problem, right? So when you sit up there and say it's not affecting me until they bring it to your doorstep, there'll be nobody left to fight for you. And trust me, man, your government is not inclined to do anything until they feel uncomfortable. And it's this global, it's this global view. It's it's having the world look at your problem and say, oh, man, these guys are fucking up. That's what compels your government to do something. So if you like continue thinking that there's no problem, when the problem will come, you understand. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing, I guess well, I've kind of entered a small shout out, but I would really like to shout out um, FK uh, and uh, Joel's. Um, I've se- they really like organized like on like out of nowhere you know organizing funds to, to they released i think almost 20 something people from that were illegally arrested um during peaceful protests they rallied lawyers and released those people they've they rallied money to treat people who were injured who were shot they rallied food for the protesters water and i'm like wow like that was like like wow that is so impressive and these are like this is how you actually gain hope for your nation like when you see one person two people who are able to just bring so many people together and like make this thing work and that's why i feel like man we really needed to lend our voice as well even if it's small even if you know if i mean i want to do what i can if from here you know send money back make this podcast um i'm sure there's protests going on now and so maybe i'll be able to join one but um uh, moving back to where we were, we're talking about like actionable steps, right? So, um, I think over what you said about that book, man, that shit sounds like gospel yeah. to me, honestly. <laughs> I was about to jump on that, so it's a yeah, because like you said, the police does nothing like for us, we gain nothing from them at all, like. Even the armed robbers, the real ones, they're not scared of them because they are, they are too busy harassing us that are not armed robbers. So scrapping them entirely, having them reapply, having them reoriented, uh, what's the word? Reoriented, no reorientation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not posted. <laughs> but having them, having them re- reoriented and then actually putting in proper structures 
because obviously we understand they're human beings too. They're not getting paid enough for their service, right? I mean, it's a public service and you should be paid for it. They, they, they really can't survive. So, we, I mean, as evil as they are, let's, you know, well, some of them are not, hopefully. So the ones that make it back in are the ones that we should pay, right? Because we should vet these people properly. I don't know if this thing was a typo, but there was a document that was released on the um, qualifications of applying to be a SARS officer. And one of the bullet points was, has to be an ex-convict. And I'm like, huh? So you're saying that this person has to have been arrested to become... A, so the, you have to be a hardened criminal to be part of SARS. It's, I don't know if... It, but even if it wasn't a typo, or even if it was a typo, why is even the whole conversation of being a convict in the convict or ex-convict? Yeah, it should be one of the points. So it couldn't two be a typo. Years, two years, two years post ex-convict experience required. Yeah. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> See, so, here's the thing. I think that um, so there's things to pay attention to. The first thing is um, Nigeria is under policed, right? Oh, there yeah. is, there is. I think it's the UN that uh, they put this thing out. There's supposed to be a specific amount of police officers. Capital. Uh, yeah, par par citizen Sorry. population. Yeah, yeah. So we're already on under policed, right? So I, I saw a thing. What year was this? It kind of just detailed all the problems with like policing issue, and it was one of those years when this SARS issue came up again. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, mm, I remember it was, it was during the election. It wasn't the SARS issue. It was during the election when people were canvassing and campaigning. The police issue was a big was at the forefront of of the campaigns, right? And they were talking about policing issues. And uh, the first thing is that like Nigeria is under policed. That's yeah. the first thing. Second thing is. You have about 60% of the police officers in Nigeria already um, sent over. They've been allocated to politicians at oh, different yeah. arms of government, right? Just rich men in general. Yeah. So at different arms of government, right? So you have a greater percentage of... So first of all, we already don't have enough police officers. Then you have a greater percentage of the police officers available um, tending to specific people in the country, right? Then you now leave the rest of them to do the work now the ones that are now there to do the work are undereducated understaffed underpaid underequipped everything that they have is beneath mm-hmm. so what is your incentive to wake up in the morning and do their work we often talk about how there is no patriotism in, in nigeria and this is why there is no patriotism in nigeria nigeria hasn't ever fought for any one of its people they're, they're, the people aren't fighting for the country and the country fighting back for the people we we have a country that is producing wealth for the wealthy and then telling everybody to go and die. And I saw something that was like really important. It's like people aren't fighting for, for water, light, food. These are things that we actually don't have as a country. People are just fighting to stay alive. <laughs> just like, like we're not fighting for basic amenities that we already lack. We're just saying, at least don't kill us. Right. At least don't kill us, right? So in, in that instant, you realize, like, it's like what um, Shola had said earlier about how um, police officers are victims, right? That is That contributes to the problem. So we know fully well that, like, when this guy is asking you for money on the road, he's severely underpaid. Severely underpaid. While it's not right... 
we have to address it at the root of the problem. So if the policing system stays that way, if we take the people out there and replace them with other people, the first thing is people who are educated enough will not will not take on those jobs <laughs> because there is a severe problem with how they earn and how they are staffed and equipped, right? And then outside of that, you now have to start filling those positions with people who don't have the prerequisite knowledge to do the job, don't have the the just just the, the capacity to process that emotional level to do those jobs. And that comes with a lot of problems. That comes with people <laughs> you want to put a gun in the hands of a person who doesn't understand what his duty is with that gun or why he has that gun or doesn't understand that his duty is to protect. He will use that gun to oppress. Mm-hmm. And that is the situation that we found ourselves in. So we need to... Scrapping this is not saying send them home, let them not have jobs. It's saying they are open to reapply, but they have to be re-educated. But as, well, as they are getting re-educated, we as a country have to allocate resources to policing, but then also make sure that they are there are severe checks and balances to make sure that those things actually go into policing, that you can hire more people, that it's it's a job that is more attractive than we've made it out to be, than we have currently. Because you meet an average police officer, your instinct is to think this guy is uneducated. Why? Because the general want, like every, out of every seven you see, six are uneducated, I bet you. And that's a problem in the country. So you have to start looking at how, how the people that we put in these positions, first of all, if we if we replace them and we put other people, if the system isn't fixed, we're still going to have more of the same. Yeah. We, need to, we need to do something to fix it. I just literally thought to myself, like, does any single Nigerian police officer know, like, the law? Like, do they actually know the law that they're supposed to uphold? They probably do not know any single laws because that's not a... That's not something they, they even if you look at them like even like go to the police academy right. Just based on how Nigeria, Nigeria operates in the police academy, the only thing they probably go through is brutalization, right? Is the commander or whoever is in police academy making them do outlandish punishments, slapping them every morning, you know? That's probably how they get trained. That's probably it. That's probably all it is, you know? Because if you you put you look at just boarding schools that we've talked about in the past and how people are behaving. Think about it like how they, 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 they train police or soldiers, right? They just probably go there and they wake them up at 4 a.m. and make them run. They don't probably go in over any laws. They don't probably go over proper procedure and handling any situation at all. And do you know how ridiculous it is for police to have AK-47s as their primary weapon? Like, 20, what? 2020. AK-47s. Like, are you in Afghanistan? Right. <laughs> are you are you part of uh, what's the name of those people in Sambisa? What's their name? I forgot Bukaram. it. Boko Haram. Thank you. It's like you know, so all these things like you really have to now like think about it and like okay, what what can really be done? And like we've said, um, Shola stepped out for a minute, but we're talking about like overbrought up a book. Um, what was it? Singapore? You said it was. Um... It was by the guy who he used to be, he used to rule Singapore. Um, yeah. Something about third world to first world country, something like that. Yeah. See, I'm, a, I'm, a Google it. I'm Googling. Google it and see if I can. The book is by Lee Kuan Yew. I don't know if. Yeah, Lee Kuan Yew. That's his name. The book is by Lee Kuan Yew. Third world to first world country. He details how the, how the changed, how Singapore changed from the country that it used to be a third world country to how it became a first world country. Part of what they did 
in there was scrapping the police system. He told all the police officers to resign. It's not, he sacked all the police officers and said, if you want to be a police officer, come and reapply and be re-educated to, to learn how to do your job properly. And my argument is, we already have a policing system in Nigeria where there is no security. Like you can't have, you can't be afraid for your life and call police in Nigeria. You don't even know what number to call. If you call the police, they're probably going to come there and shoot you. You don't know what's going on. So we're already, there's no security. So saying that like, so a lot of people will say, like, how can we scrap the old police in Nigeria? Where is security? I'm like, there's no security now. Yeah, there really isn't. We, there's no, we don't lose anything by telling the police officers to go and reapply. We really don't. Really do. Yeah, and I think I want to go back to that higher question. So when you're talking about actionable stuff, and I think thinking of that book of Ustab, honestly speaking, based off the way Nigeria operates, that's the best way for us to go about it. And it's it's very sad the way they just came out to just say, Oh, it's been disbanded. We've seen this in the past. There's no guarantee that it's nothing definitely gonna change. They're just trying to do that to keep people quiet. So moving forward, I think everything goes back to ground training these people need to be educated they need to be taught they need to be told necessary steps i mean there are so many ways it could um dilute a situation so they should look at um, how to handle situations without the use of force Fam, have they slapped you have this nigga slapped you before it will reset you you can't even think you can't do nothing like i promise you they should train them on how to handle situations without necessarily using power or force I mean, I think I just said something about um, AK-47. I think Nigeria outcome on 2020. We need to start looking out into things like maybe body cams. We need stuff like, I mean, it, it might seem too much, but we definitely have to start looking at stuff like that too. Also, we have to, uh, talking about the police department as a whole, we need to create um, the police as a profession that has like a better outlook. And definitely, we also have to look at um, the salary of their compensation. Those niggas don't, they, they earn nothing. So most of them, they're just on the streets, angry. Bro, I don't even know a, a good word to describe how they feel like. And you now want to talk to them about, oh, why are you, why are you doing this? I, I mean, Nigeria just vibes at the end of the day, to be honest. I really don't know what, what can happen. But definitely, I'm, I'm game if they can just lay everyone off, go back. But then again, for them to lay everyone off, they have to really re-strategize and come up with like a great package and say, okay, coming into this, this is what we're offering you now. This is this necessary stuff we're trying to take. So it definitely goes back to education, goes back to training, goes back to um, more money and probably, like I said, body cams. Because just, I think one of the things they said, oh, you're just going to redistribute them. But you're just putting the mm -hmm. same people under different tags. It's the same outcome at the end of the day. And it's just sad. I really wish there was a better way to go about it. Well, like, let's see, though. I really don't know. I don't know. I think the thing with the thing with all of these things is this, right? And it's my it's my same argument for how Nigeria's financial system cannot work. It's this: if there's a lot of investments that we can do, but if the basket is leaking, everything's going to come out at the other end. So, body cams and all those things are, and how to die situation. But like, if if, they, if, still, if we still have a corrupt system, those body cam videos will miss. Do you know what I mean? They still don't have any incentive to de-escalate issues. Do you know what I mean? So the first thing is this, right? We as a people, we don't know what the laws are in the first place. So how do we expect that we employ police from the same group of people that know what the laws are? It doesn't happen. Attorneys... 
are basically powerless. What 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 does your Nigerian justice Nigerian justice system in 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 is is terrible. So you have your what do you call it the uh, bar association lawyers are paying dues every every year. You want to assume that these dues that they're paying will, are used to enforce uh, are used to help the 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 lawyers in the country enforce certain things to make sure that they have significant uh, power over over certain issues. But there's nothing. So you ask yourself like. Where where are these checks and balances going to come from? Where what 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 are we going to put in place to make sure that we don't say okay, oh, see, oh, we've bought body camera now, and then things don't change, and then they'll be like, oh, but we listen to you people now. Maybe you say buy body camera, we bought body cam, and and that's where I think the problem really is that there are bodies, there are unions in in Nigeria that are there for a purpose, and they are useless. So why are they there? Why do you have why do you have a Nigerian bar association that asks that tasks lawyers for that that tasks lawyers every every month or every year or whatever to pay dues? But a lawyer will go to the cell and say they want to see their client and the, the police tell you, my friend, shut up and get out. And the lawyer is powerless. Like that that's mm-hmm. stupid to me. Because that doesn't happen in any sensible country. Yep. Yeah. Um <laughs> man. There's so much, like there's so many dimensions to this to this conversation because like if you want to keep like I said root cause but you want to dig you dig to the root of the police but the root of the police is the start of the next um, governmental body that is supposed to receive and then so on and so forth so like you say okay this is rotten let's go all the way here and then this is also rotten so like it's, it's very hard to <laughs> to really figure out where to even begin right. But we have to begin somewhere at the end of the day. And that's why I really support this movement. Because, I mean, even as, you know, um, it's not the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's something that we can really hopefully get the win from. And that's something that's important, right? Because in protest and in, in making like, actionable change about anything, you need to b- piggyback off small victories every day like every day every week every month before you can actually like get some some real change going so like that's why i i really feel strongly about this what are you reading yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, um i want to just point out again that um once again um benny ralph arabeshola please uncle um (laughs) He haven't this man has been collecting salary since and he hasn't done any single work. So please come and do work. I understand that um I understand that from time to time, you know, we like to kick back and relax and receive free money. But this is apparently not the time for it. So there's a problem with the policing system in Nigeria and it's not today. If you can't fix all of it, at least let it not be blatantly obvious that we are a failing society. So please, dear. It's too late for that. <laughs> yeah, okay, but at least let's... You understand, here's the thing, here's the thing, right? You might be at your office and they're paying you every day and you're not really doing any work. But when they start shining light on your office, so when there's problem, they're saying, uh-uh, where are your deliverables? At least you will pretend to work. Pretend. Please, at least try, come out and say... You understand, come out and try and do small work. Let us know that, okay, oh, you are there. But... You know, you're not even, you're not even, anyways, because it's us, is our fault. It's because we don't know that it's your work. That's why. You can at least come out and pretend like you're doing work. Bro, I've never heard anything good about that. I've never heard anything good there. So, 
I was reading. I was just reading a Twitter thread by. Uh, I'm gonna. Pl- I'm gonna plug the public's name, bro. Doctor C O Mole. Well, up, shall I? I feel like you should lean into the mic. Doctor C O Mole on Twitter. Omole, but that's Doctor C O M O L E. So he he just describes some of like the structural issues of the police and SARS. And apparently he has written books on police reform. So I think the solutions are out there. I don't even think solving this, if you just put like seven competent people together, right? And I don't think they have that in all of our future. <laughs> so if you put seven competent people, you could probably reform police fairly well. But, you know, look at the kind of leader we have, right? The, I don't know, that limb dick with the Osa accent. That's honestly that's what Buhari is. <laughs> they can't come for us here. We thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you listen to this, we're joking. Man. Why did they say? Why will he get visa? Who gave you visa? <laughs> you don't know what it is. <laughs> so it's 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 just unfortunate. I don't know. I honestly don't even know. I don't know how this will end because I mean stars need to go. Honestly, why are they even using them for? And. But I don't know. I don't know how they are going to follow up with this. Like, hopefully, this will lead to more change. But I want to see how, how like leadership is going to try and at least try to restructure anything. Address and the situation. Some people, are, some people are still a little bit suspicious that this may just be like a fake out, right? They may yeah. just be saying this now and then to just be like when they banned them before, or it to kind of look like that. Because the whole system is, is just messed up. Like some of this stuff here. That's just what the police have to do, how much money they have to raise on their own, like what each DPO has to do, what each um police officer has to do. Like there was one thing I caught my if a police officer dies, the police raised money to bury that police officer. And it's just the just the that's just the ultimate as a police officer, that's the ultimate just disrespect. Like nobody even cares about you. And unleashing those kind of people, then you now have not SARS are not even normal police, SARS are now like special agents, they're the most hardened oh, ones. I'm telling you, like, like they train, they, they slap up every day, so just so that they aren't for more. I'm telling you. So then you have this the most dangerous, the most aggressive version of these victims, quote unquote. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with Nigeria. Me and my dad, our conversation ended with trying to guess when Nigeria is going to eventually break apart. So, honestly, Nigeria is like, on paper, by every metric, Nigeria is a failed state. And this is what I think. Nigeria is a failed state, and this is just part of the evidence of the dissolution of the institutions that, quote-unquote, exist in Nigeria. Things like SARS will stop. Like, the, the institutions already don't work. So, let's just start disbanding them. And if you hear about what the kind of things that happen in the north, right, the kind of atrocities being committed by both Boko Haram and even the army, it's like, yeah, the thing is, this is some kind of like, is this like some kind of Netflix film, like starring Zelda <laughs> and uh, Thor, uh, Chris Hemlock. Hemlock. That's poison. Hemsworth. Hemsworth, thank you. Like, is this, like, is this real life that we're actually witnessing? But it's Nigeria. Ulua will help us. That's all I have to say. Thank you. <laughs> Man, 
I just I want to actually just this. I mean, it's still on the topic, but it's not like in the flow of the conversation. But there was a story I heard um, today, and just to really, really, really paint a picture for you. Um, so th- this is this is a ridiculous story. This lady was stopped by Sars in Ibado, right? IB, you know where I <laughs> She was stopped in Ibado, right? And they, you know they beat her. They took her phone. Um, they were asking her for money. She refused to give them money. Now, so they went. On, they went on a road trip. Guess where? They, guess where they ended up? Where? Abuja. Uh, from Ibadan. They took her from Ibadan to Abuja. It was a. I think uh. I don't remember the full um, hour of the drive, but in the story, the guy was like, "Oh, it took them this num- so so number of hours." And then he, the next one, he goes, "Oh, but by the way, you know that's like it's longer, right?" Like, the hours, the amount of time it took for them to get to Abuja was longer than normal. Guess why? Because they were stopping along the way to brutalize more people and take them. So they just went on a road trip across Nigeria, kidnapping people. Her wow. family thought she was dead. Do they, do they like, scream for SARS? Like, they pick the most psychotic. They do. We do. They do. So, her family thought she was dead because for, I think it was three weeks, she couldn't contact them. She was in a prison in SARS. And oh, upon arrival, after she had seen them brutalize people from state to state, they forced her to sign a confession that she was in fraud. So after seeing all those things happen, she was so scared that she signed their written confession. And then they extorted her for money. And then that's when she finally was able to call her, her family that she's not able to get. And you see, there's so many people rotting away in random prisons in Nigeria that their families think they're dead. Like this, yeah, you yeah. see, we haven't even talked about how many people, several people, will get picked up by SARS and then no word. They won't be charged. They won't be oh, nothing. They'll just, they'll just be there, and they're just, and that's just it, right? We haven't talked about how they use these people to replace other people who are actual criminals whose parents are wealthy and have paid them. So they, they release that person and use that one to replace. And the system in Nigeria is so crazy that it works. We haven't even started to talk about how, right now, uh, protesters, was, was, was peaceful protesters in Nigeria are being tear gassed and they are using like water and hoses right. to, to, to chase them away. And it's ridiculous. And it's like... So you have water it, now. It, it, People were burning in, in it, plane crashes and houses. There was no fucking water. With the way Nigeria is, right, how can you even afford as a country? Like, do you not even have common sense? Like, you're on the, you're tinkering on the edge. You now want to, I can, like, Nigeria can, I say Nigeria, like, America can brutalize protesters. Like, everybody can be like, wow, America, really? That's terrible. But, like, countries will still think twice before invading America. But, like, you as Nigeria, you want to be brutalizing protesters. You don't even need America to get up. Random Morovia will just... These people are rubbish and just march soldiers inside and plug your kidney. It's so stupid. Like, do you people have common sense? I get very annoyed and very, like, very heated about things like this because it, it, it's funny to me that, like, fixing this problem fixes the problem for everybody, including the people that are currently the problem, essentially. Like... You fix the country, it becomes significantly better for everybody. You're creating where we are as a country right now, where we are as Nigeria right now, is getting to the point where it doesn't work for anybody, whether you are rich or not. Regardless of how rich you are, the country no longer works for you. That's why all the all the wealthy quote unquote people 
their kids live abroad. Their kids are in the UK, in the US, in Canada. Their kids are not in Nigeria anymore because the country doesn't even work for you when you're rich. Someone said something that I was like, it doesn't matter how rich you are. If you are driving your Ferrari and trailer should fall on top of you in, in traffic, you will still die. You will die. It does. It doesn't matter that you have that you have money. It doesn't matter that you are in a Ferrari or a Bentley or you. If the trailer falls on you, you would die. So fixing these things actually helps all of us, not just the people who are currently disenfranchised or the people who are currently suffering. So it it it's weird to me how some people are just like, no, we don't want. It's like, are you seriously uninterested? Are you like, are you seriously? You're like, we're well, done with this country. Let's burn it to the ground. My children are outside. Like, that's really all you think about. It, it kills me, man. Has, has, uh, say Baba said anything? Has he... No. <laughs> Not a single uh, word. Is a fucking ghost. Has he been seen on the My issue is that this guy campaigned for a first term, right? Did fucking nothing. Did fuck all. Like, my British people like to say fuck. He did fuck all. Then he now went and used that taxpayer dollar, uh, not dollars, money to campaign for a second term. I want to come and still do rubbish and nothing. Like, why? What are you doing? This guy is forced to be here. Wait. Here's the thing, right? Be in a, the president since he was removed as head of state from back then. He's, this is his whole life. So you, this is the combination of your whole life and you finally get there and you do fuck all. It doesn't make sense. The guy is, is social distancing from Nigeria, so it's not as if he doesn't he doesn't do such. He doesn't like to address Nigerians. One, so I think he's dead and it's more for the photographs. <laughs> like, hey, what's that with weekend at Bernie? Weekend at Bernie. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. What was last time we saw Buari on video? The only thing I can really give him, the only thing I can really give him is that like Buari, if you see all those in trad, ah, starch. Bad. Ah, I go give him that one. He tried bad. But other than that, nothing. Nothing. But I mean, that's what you get. Did you really, when when we really decided to elect this man, you, we all knew he was uneducated and we thought, yeah, let's let's do it. Do you know what I mean? That's what you get when you put people in power and they don't have like common sense. They don't, they're uneducated. That's what we get. So we argue that like, look, just look across the board. Look at all our leaders, right? Look at the people who, who, who compete. Like like when we when we when we have an election, right? You look at who's on APC party and who's on the PDP party, and every year they are reshuffling themselves, right? Like APC members will move to PDP and then PDP members will switch to APC, and then they will campaign. And is is the is the craziest like rebranding? Because it's like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Like like what are you talking about? This is <laughs> this is stupid. Like all of you are still the same. You just you just. It's red house, green house. Then people will switch sides and say, now we're now red house and green house. Okay. And then, so, we now have to be, it's problematic because it's like, who do we put in power? Right? Who do we, how do we hold people responsible? And the truth is, if, when we, when we get into that conversation around, um, um, electing leaders, it has to start from all the way at the bottom. We can't just be worried about the president alone. That's that's a significant office to be worried about. But we need to be worried about who's who's in the Senate, who's in the House of Representatives. We we have to go all the way down to your local government chairman, to your your um, representatives for your local governments. All of these people are important because they decide a lot of how our society is run. 
And these people will also put other people in power. Your your governor of the central bank, your chief justice of the country. All these all these are things, positions that matter, that we have to begin to look at and say, one bad egg is enough to fuck us up. How can we not have everybody? How can everybody not be a bad egg? There's no hope. There's no hope. <laughs> it's very discouraging. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what to say. It's, it's, it's necessary, I guess, to talk about. I know you guys might end up going to bed depressed, but um, at the end of the day, man, we can't, we can't, we can't shy away from it anymore. Um, I think I don't know if there's anything else. There's so much to say, honestly. So if we keep going, we can. Yeah, yeah, there is. But we've been going for a while, and I think it's a safe place to kind of to kind of cut it at the moment and if need be we'll do depending on how the um how things go from where from here on out we will do subsequent episodes to kind of speak on i guess how we feel speak on the issues that we have with it so for now we can you know kind of just take some time to to put this out there um i mean there's only so much we as people can do especially living outside of nigeria right so we'll do our bit and we will we will push as hard as we can push to see how things change and we will continue to speak on issues that we we don't agree with that we find problematic that we find are degrading our society and uh now as as you had jeffrey had mentioned earlier we'll just take some time we could do like a quick 20 second um oh, yeah. thing and just yeah, we can just do like a quick 20 second thing. Yeah, and, um, everyone that has been brutalized, lost their lives, people that are rotting away in all the various jail cells and whatnot, man. Like, it's sad. It's sad. They don't have any, their parents think they're dead, their family thinks they're dead. So, I mean, these are things that are really affecting and plaguing our people. So, yeah, we're going to be completely silent on, on this for about 20 seconds, starting now. okay all right um so yeah um thank you guys for really uh you know i guess saying your piece and really trying to communicate on this on this particular topic and uh, we want to thank everybody who's listened and everybody who's doing their own part to help who's at the forefront you know standing and fighting people who are supporting them financially people who are supporting them in aids and however way they can um even people across the world who are just rallying around to kind of relate with this issue and to kind of lend their voices to this issue we we're very grateful to you every 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 inch every thing that you do is important to to fixing what we have and so let's not stop till we have something that we can stand behind and say okay this one we're okay with until then man we we, we don't need to relent we don't need to listen to all the talk that they are talking they need to show us proof of something so um it's been a good episode. Does anybody have anything else to say before we call it a day? Just completely random, but or well, not completely random. Actually, not random at all. But so this guy's name is Ogbeni. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. No, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I thought I was just saying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why are you writing Ogbeni? That's not his name. <laughs> 
Charles itu. Ya. Tidak asma. Tidak asma. You know that you're hiding in the system. Yo, that's like up there with like Kamaru. He came out the womb as an Ogbeni. Just so you know, let that sink in. I was not expecting that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, it's been a good one. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in and listening to us. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. All right. It's been another episode of Off the Rails. Peace out. Ah, man. That was a good one. That was a good one. I'm sure you agree. That's why I still here. <laughs> you're still here. That's how you know it was good. <laughs> but if you're still listening, we would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating, a review, you know, comment, share, all that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify Podcasts. And Deezer. Deezer, and Deezer. Pretty much whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Yeah. And also, if you feel like you're an interesting person, you have something interesting to talk about, feel free to DM us on Instagram at Pod, and we will review and get back to you. Also, follow the podcast. Um... Follow the Instagram accounts. I think that's the only social account that we do have. So follow yeah, the account now. and, you know, just hit us up. And uh, we're definitely open to communicate with everyone who's, who's fucking with us. Come through. Let's catch your vibes. It's about to be lit. All right. Let's get it.